Peace and prosperity is my first salute to you. I'm Merton Clark, and welcome to the Word of Truth Revealed podcast. It is my desire to build you up, to increase your spiritual stamina and tenacity, to empower effectiveness and help you discover your purpose. Enjoy this vibrant and dynamic message. In every season, the Bible speaks to the issues in which we face, and I'm not here to try to cover all ground, but I do need to speak to capital city chaos. And that is, God has made America great. Uh, America is great because of its military power. It's great because of its economic reach. It's great because of its Christian population. It's great because we feed more people around the world than any other nation. More missionaries come out of America, not just in the last few years. This has been going on for several years. It is great because there are freedoms in every state. You can cross state lines without showing papers. Uh, you can start a business, male or female, in any city. Uh, of course, you have problems. You have in the South, uh, not so much in the metropolitan cities up north, but in the South, deep South, like Georgia. Uh, we've had uh, Jim Crow laws that kept whole segments of our society outside of the beltway of truth and prosperity. But thank God for civil rights and thank God that the nation, the soul of the nation, is trying to redeem itself. Well, we've had uh, several hundred years of total anarchy and uh, and suppression, even voter suppression. And a lot of those things are being challenged even now. But we have our problems. We have liberals and we have conservatives. We have progressives and we have uh, radicals. Uh, we have moderates. We have people who are poor and very poor. And then we have people who are extremely rich. And then we have some folk that don't want to give any taxes at all to support uh, the base things uh, that you would consider to be uh, just common things like the funding of police or to make sure that firemen and women are taken care of or to make sure health care providers are on site, government officials, uh, military uh, folk and personnel who are on the front lines giving their lives to maintain the peace of this nation. And there's a lot of uh, things going on in the nation. It is a great nation. It doesn't have to be made a great again. It's already great. It's great because we believe that Jesus is Lord. There are many people in this nation that believe that. And God didn't destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of its homosexuality or its blatant sin. He couldn't find 10 in the city that was righteous. He said, I'll preserve it. I'll overlook your sin if I can find 10. And America is not going to hell in a handbasket because you don't like who's in the White House. You've been listening to the wrong teachers. God loves America. God bless America, land that I love. If you sing the song, then believe what you sing. Stand beside her and guide her. Now, why would you sing that and you don't believe it? With the love, with the light from above, from the mountain to the prairie, to the ocean, white with foam. God bless America, the land that I love. This is the land that my mama died in. 
This is the land that I have relatives in the ground. This is the land. I serve my military in this land to preserve it. Glory to God. I'm going to bless it when I speak. And I'm not going to let anybody tell me that whoever's in the White House determines the blessing of this nation. There are many people who believe that Israel is a blessed nation. And America gives Israel billions of dollars per year to make sure it's blessed. But it's blessed because God loves Israel. And if you look at the history of Israel, you will see that it had many kings that didn't believe in God. And God still loved Israel. And if God loves Israel, he's going to bless the nation that takes care of Israel. Regardless, he'll move a leader out of the way and put someone else there. God doesn't change his love like we do. And so I want to encourage you, please read uh, Isaiah chapter 3. It talks about leadership. When God judges a nation, he takes away the mighty man. He takes away the artisan. He takes away those who know how to get in touch. And he gives you in exchange childlike attitudes to lead you. And if you continue to read that chapter, you begin to see a lot of similarities in what's happening in the world today. I've learned over the years to speak truth to power and to be real. And I've had people to exit because of that. To say, I'm, I can't handle that because you don't agree with what I say. Instead of getting upset wanting to fight me, speak truth to power. When you see something wrong, say it. And if you say it when it's a, 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 a flicker of fire, you won't have to deal with it when it becomes a forest fire. A lot of people like to say things when the house is burning down. But when the match is struck, you should say something about the fire. We need real leadership. The Bible says it clear in the Message Bible, Proverbs 28. When the country is in chaos, everybody has a plan to fix it. Everybody's got something to say. Freedom of speech, right? We should do it this way, and we should do it that way. And we should debate this, and we should debate that. And I've got to make sure I stand on my constitutional rights. Everybody got a plan to fix it, but it takes a real leader, a real leader with understanding to straighten things out. We don't just need power. America's got more power, more, more uh, nuclear power, more economic strength, more synergy than any other nation. And if we are to be uh, defeated, it's usually going to happen from inside out but just because you have power doesn't mean you have wisdom intellect comes from the halls of academia smarts comes from the halls of of not congress but college but what you need to understand wisdom comes from god and if you are a man or woman of understanding you have to know in whom you believe a good leader with understanding can straighten things out the definition of leadership the definition of leadership is not just to stand as one who's in power or trying to preserve power but leadership is the definition of leadership is to inspire and influence and even guide others not to incite but to inspire when you inspire somebody you're inspiring them to new heights to influence people, not to do bad things, but to do good things and to guide others to participate in a common effort. 
to participate in a common effort. So true leadership, the definition of true leadership is to inspire, influence, and guide others to participate in a common good, in a common effort. Good leaders do not just bark out orders or hand out directives to folk. Just say things because it sounds good or chant. Good leaders explain why they're doing what they do because it should meet this criteria. It should be inspirational, but also influence. Influence and guide you. The Bible says a blind person cannot guide. Because the blind person will lead both the blind and the person that blind is leading into the ditch. Blind can't lead blind. So you need someone with eyesight, someone with insight, someone with perception to lead. And if they have none, they're disqualified as a person who can inspire, influence, and guide. Godly leadership never incites to violence. It never even hints that. It never even hints violence. Violence is never an option with godly leadership. Instead, they use effective communication. They use effective communication. They use effective communication and motivate te motivational techniques to facilitate actions in the teams in which they influence. So instead of using or inciting people to, to violence, a good leader will use effective communication and motivation techniques to facilitate action by their teams, the teams that they influence. Together, everyone achieves more. Together, team, everyone achieves more teams together everyone not just base everyone not just those who agree but everyone team together everyone achieves more let's talk for a moment about the godly perspective remember effective leaders use effective communication and effective communication means we're having a monologue and not a, a dialogue and not a monologue a monologue is one person doing all of the teaching all of the statements all of the all of making all of the statements right now we have what we call a monologue i'm doing the teaching and you're listening but effective leaders will come off of that and have conversations outside of this dynamic here i am to inspire to influence and to guide. But effective leaders must have effective communication and motivational techniques. And that means we need to come out of the pulpit and start relating to people personally, pragmatically, and consistently with what we call dialogue and not just monologue. Not just one person doing all of the talking. God has given us two ears, which means we should be able to listen twice as much as we speak. And when you listen, you want to make sure you use your right and left brain, which means you want to hear what they're saying and try to understand it and then convey to them in, man in a manner that they can not understand what you're saying and not make them feel funny when they don't get it. But to help inspire 
influence, and guide. Let's talk about godly, the God's godly perspective, God's perspective on law and order. God's perspective on law and order. We got a capital, uh, the capital city in chaos, and we need law and order, not just in the streets, or not just in Michigan, Flint, Michigan, or not just in, in Chicago, or not just in Minneapolis. Last year in Minneapolis hit the highlights, not just in Kentucky, but we need it in D.C., in the capital city. The place where the world watches, Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia. The place where laws that govern the world are made. The place where wars are decided to be fought on. The place where economics, decisions about world economics are made. The place where the most powerful person on the face of the earth occupy in what we call the White House. The place where that person has charge to make decisions concerning governments and nations around the world. That one person. And when there's a rogue nation, that one man can seize the properties and the goods of that nation if they're rogue and they're not in, they're not in uh, unity with the America. Amer the United States of America. He can seize their property as United States property. He can negotiate with nations and make trade deals. He can pardon people who've committed murder at his word. He is the most powerful man on the face of the earth. Yet there's chaos. Because it doesn't matter how much power we have. We need God in our lives. So what is God's perspective on law and order? Romans chapter 13 verse 1. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Look at verse 3. For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, even if you're 16. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger, to execute wrath on him who practice evil. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of the wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For they are God's ministers attending 
continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due. Taxes to whom taxes are due. Customs to whom customs. Fear to whom fear. Watch this. And honor to whom honor. Now here, I don't need to uh, preach these verses. They are, ex- are self-explanatory. It's very clear. That from God's perspective and everyone in his kingdom, we should be subject to governing authorities. All this talk about taking back your country. You wouldn't have this country if God wasn't here. There is no man that can keep this country safe. Only God can. And so in the country, if you're going to preach law and order, you must abide by the same law and order. If you're going to tell thugs that they should, thugs you call them, it's okay to call them thugs, but any police officer that uses a nightstick and hits a woman in the head, we can't call them a thug, but they can be thugs. You can call them thugs and when they commit crimes, you want to throw them in the jail and throw away the key. But when you commit crime, you want to call yourself a patriot. If you're a Christian, you got to understand God's perspective concerning law and order. And let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Right before I move on, render... Therefore, to all their due. If it's time to pay taxes, do your share. And if it's time to give customs, to show honor to people who are in positions, then you show the custom, do the custom. If it's time to show reverence to people, regardless if you like them or not, then do that. And if you are to honor, give honor. To where honor is due. Even those who receive the honor will spoil the honor if they fail to pass honor on. Let's move quickly to the role of leadership. In the capital city of chaos. And you can take that and put it into any community. If you want the community to come together, we must know the role of leadership. Well, what do you mean by, your, by saying roles? Well, in a, in a home, if you don't have clear roles, people will clash. You only got one mama, and you'd have one daddy, and each one of them should know their role in the home. And the children need to know their role. When children try to be parents, you're going to have chaos. And when parents talk like children, you have chaos. Usually parents can weather the storm. And when they get disappointed, they don't lose it all. That happens when the children are disappointed. And if you lead in a community, lead in a, a, a county, lead in a state, a nation, we have to be able to know the role and you flow with the role. So we have roles, many roles that we can talk about as it relates to leadership. Roles in decision making. There's a role if you're going to make decisions with a group of people, a bicameral, you need to know the role of how you make those decisions. You can't be a king when it's time to make decisions. you got to negotiate. 
You got to negotiate. And we got negotiating churches. The congregation makes the, uh, sets the rule. And then you have what you call a mixture. You have congregation and a set man. And the work, they work together to come up with decisions. Not only that, but we also have organizational culture that we have to deal with. The culture of organization. And if you're going to be successful uh, as a leader, you need to know the culture of an organization. CEO, CFO, role playing. Those who are part of the board, what do they do? And if you're a part of a board, you're really supposed to raise money. A lot of people, oh, I want to be on the board of a church, but they don't understand those board members are supposed to seek to fund the organization. Then we also have what we call roles in strategic planning. If we're going to plan for a year, we need to have a group that can sit down and talk about what we should do that year and give us timelines. We need a calendar for the year. And everybody has to be loyal to the calendar and acute. Make sure before you plan something, you check the calendar to make sure no one else has that date. Without these roles and knowing these roles, an organization would clash. What about the role in quality improvements? The role in quality improvements. A leader has to understand you can't just have a building every, every so often. You got to check the AC units. You got to make sure the roof is still sound. The engineering of the building is all right. There's no cracks in the foundation. Most people that come in a building wouldn't care anything about that. But it is the role of the leader to make sure there's strategic planning and quality improvements. Not only with the, with the facilities, but with the people who are working in the organization. What about the role in community development? In having an organization that can just reach outside of the church walls and touch the community. What about the role in project management? That we need directors to help us to do what we need to do. And we need to be able to delegate authority to these people. At the same time, not advocate abdicate the responsibility delegate authority but don't abdicate the responsibility you don't act like you don't need to check on people whatever you expect you must inspect on on a daily basis or as often as you need to what about the role in project managing there are people there are people who want to talk about global issues but can't manage their personal business there are people who are not satisfied with the way they've been able to manage themselves. And so they start dreaming about how they can change the world. What about climate change and what's going on with national security and what's happening with our borders. But when we check your borders, you're all messed up. And so a lot of people would like to deflect and start talking about global things without taking care of local things. Godly leadership never seeks to maintain power. If God brought you up, he's the only one that can take you down. I cannot claim that God brought me up 
and the devil took me down. If God bring me up, if God is for me, who can be against me? And for those of you that are talking out the side of your neck to say, well, God can take up a person and then someone down in the basement can take them down. You need to understand whatever God puts on the pedestal, no man can take down. So why be chaotic about that? When you have prophets around the world that's talking about what God did, don't tell me God is weak. Let me tell you something. God is strong and nobody can overthrow God. When God puts his hand on a man like David, all of the enemies of Saul could not take him down. God allowed him to go right through the troops and leap over walls and hide under the shadow of the Almighty. For over 30 years, he led Israel. You know why? Because God was with him. And if God is for you, no group of faction can take you down. But if God is against you, nothing you do will work. I don't care how bad we could be bad, big, big bad, but it won't matter if God is not with you. That's why we got to keep God on our sides. What six things the Lord hate. Yea, seven is an abomination. Not talking about homosexuality or abortion. A lying tongue. A proud look. And if you got that in your mouth, you need to change it. I promise y'all I was going to stay cool tonight. Got to talk about chaotic capital cities. Help me, Jesus. For those of you that are now coming to your senses, coming out of a fog as the capital is being rushed, it shouldn't have to come to that. Godly leadership does not seek to maintain power. Their leadership will qualify or disqualify them, disqualify their future role as a leader. You don't have to seek to maintain power. Your actions, your actions will qualify you or disqualify you for future leadership roles remember the definition of leadership is to inspire to influence and guide others to, a, to participate in the effort to participate in common efforts if you believe in godly leadership never incite violence I remember hearing a lot of Christians say uh, we do not elect a president or a congressman to be morally sound. We elect them to do a job. We like their policies. Same people want to go and take up people's past. Talk about what they said years ago. And then flag it before the world. You messed up when you overlook a person's blatant mistakes as a leader of a nation. You got to at least speak to him about it and tell him to correct it. I said from this pulpit that I believe God allowed President Donald John Trump to ascend to the most powerful position in the world to shock the world, number one, but also to balance out the courts. And he has nominated and passed, the Senate passed over two, around 200 judges, federal judges that are conservative. Those same judges looked at the election, looked at what he presented and said there is no case. And if you want to sit there and believe the rhetoric, believe this, that it's all a farce, when the judges he picked 
looked at it and said there is no case we're throwing it out are they fake too maybe you're drinking the kool-aid and you need to put it down because chaos can be passed on it's just the, just what do you whose report are you going to believe if you believe that we need godly judges well you've got 200 and in his term, three have entered into the courts. I said it from this pulpit that God allowed him to ascend to that position to straighten out the courts because the nation is shifting too far to the left. And if the judges he appointed looked at these things and said, I don't see any case. And you really believe in law and order. Then trust the conservative judge. So the definition of leadership is to inspire, influence, and guide others. Godly leadership never incites to violence. Instead, they use effective communication, effective communication techniques, motivation practices to facilitate law-abiding actions. To facilitate law-abiding action, not storm the capital, not break in and make people afraid. If I stormed the Capitol, you'd be doing a funeral for me. And most of you, especially if you're people of color, you did that. You would be, they would be laying you to rest in about three days. So if the nation can't see what we're talking about as it relates to privilege, just look at what happened in D.C. Because people stormed the Capitol and they're alive. That means somebody showed restraint. I'm telling you, I'm warning you now. I'm warning you. What's in your bag? I'm warning you. I'm asking you to do the same thing in our streets. When it's a young black male with a hood on, when he's got a, a baggy pants on, when you don't know what's in his pocket, it's just a hot dog. I'm asking you to protect yourself, get behind the vehicle, and say, I'm warning you. And show restraint. You have the power. You can do it. We just saw it. The world saw it. Glory, hallelujah. Y'all praying for me? Let's talk about the Christian response. The Christian's response to leadership. 1 John chapter 4 verse 7 it's on the screen beloved let us love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God for he who loveth not knoweth not God for God is love beloved let us love one another let me say it again beloved let us love one another for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He that loveth not does not know God, for God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. Love knows no boundaries. Love loves humanity, not just people who look like you or act like you. Could you imagine us having a cold night shelter and people come to it that doesn't look like us and we turn them away. They don't act like us and we turn them away. We act, anybody that has the need can go and get some assistance. 
Get some of that chili and get some of those spaghetti and meatballs and some socks and warm yourself up. It doesn't matter the color. For he that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. This is the Christian response is love. There is a time to bear arms, but not now. There is a time to speak up and, and speak, but not just against the people that don't think like you. You got to be able to speak love and truth to power. And whatever you allow, you can't complain about. So you can't rebuke me. Because you don't like what I do and somebody's standing right there saying all kind of stuff and you let it pass. But you want to look at me and point at me and tell me what I shouldn't say. Ah. I'm trying. A Christian's response is love. Remember 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, Romans 13, let every soul be subject to the governing authority. No believer should say, I kick away law and order because I believe we need to bear arms. Wait, because you don't like an election? That sounds just like the previous South. That sounds like Jim Crow stuff. Don't sound like patriots to me. <coughs> you can rightfully, peacefully protest. Right after George Floyd was killed, I thought it was a major mistake. You have so many young people of color running in the streets, burning buildings. I grieved in my soul. You know why? Because there was a moment in America where America was ready to listen. <coughs> there was a moment where people were ready to listen. All cultures marching, trying to talk about, trying to listen to uh, the conversation concerning justice for all. And when you start burning buildings, then your message is distorted. When you start talking about defunding police, your message is distorted. And it got lost in the rubbish. Now we're talking about law and order, not about injustice. You know why? Because there are smart people, screwed people that are able to change the narrative in media. Because you got angry and you were burning buildings. The response is love. Love doesn't mean you're passive. You can be aggressive in your love. You can be aggressive by standing up for rights. But you work within the confines of the law and decency. Beloved, let us love one another. The Bible says if you love, you, obey, you will obey commandments. And those he loves, he chastens. Which simply means you can punish people for doing wrong when you love them. So the Christian's response is love. Let's talk for a moment about the kingdom of God. I'm going to give you a few passages to help you to understand the kingdom of God. And the capital of our nation and capital cities around the world and the difference between the two. Matthew 6 and 9 verses 9 and 10 NIV. This then is how you should pray. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be, hallowed be your name. 
Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If we read it backwards, it would say like this. In heaven, God's kingdom abide. God, God's kingdom abide. On earth, we should pray that his kingdom would come. And that it would be an example or a manifestation of what's already going on in heaven. So, let us hallow or sanctify the Father's name in heaven and on earth. Now, I want you to hear this because you need to understand. If we pray for the kingdom to come, that means it's not here yet. So for those of you that believe physical politics is manifesting the kingdom, you don't understand. That the kingdom that God wants to introduce is not manifested yet. We manifested as believers. So what is it? What is God's rule? Is it that we march on Washington when we don't like what we see and then disobey law and order? Or do we ask for the kingdom to come and for God's will to be done in prayer on earth as it is in heaven? Are you saying we shouldn't be activists? Of course not. But remember, let every soul be subject to the governing authority, which simply means we're supposed to try to render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, render unto custom that which is uh, custom is due, taxes to whom taxes are due, reverence to whom reverence is due, even as we protest. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25, Jesus knew their thought. It's right there on the screen. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined in every city or household, even if it's a capital city, divided against itself will not stand. So in the kingdom, here's the similarity with the kingdom, households, and capital cities, we cannot have division. Because this is the similarity between cities, households, and capital cities in the kingdom of God. And that is there must be unity if you're going to stand. John 18 and verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would bear arms. They would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jews, but not my kingdom. But now my kingdom is from another place. Notice Jesus said my kingdom is not of this world. How in the world then are followers of Jesus ready to bear arms to implement his kingdom on the earth? When he wouldn't allow his disciples to do it. I want to make sure you understand. Those of you that are gung-ho and, and patriot. Your prayers can move mountains. It is your faith in God that will stop things from going on in Washington. And that's where we should be. Am I saying we shouldn't protest? The Constitution say you can. But it's peacefully protesting, understanding John 18 and 36. Says, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight. You're not in the kingdom of God if you're so mad. 
that you want to blow the opposite party away. Remember, a house or city or a household that's divided cannot stand. Then he says, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight for me. Glory, hallelujah. Then in Romans 14, we read out of Romans 13, but Romans 14 and 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. It's not about how much money you have and how well you live. It's not about your resources. God's kingdom has never been about these things. But his kingdom is a righteousness. To be right wise. To do what's right because it is right. As Martin Luther King says, darkness can't drive out darkness. Only light can. And hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can. And chaos cannot drive out chaos. MLC. Only peace can. For the kingdom of heaven is not meat or drink. But look at the word. It is righteousness. It is peace. And joy in the Holy Ghost. Not peace after you drop bombs. After you break windows. But he is the prince of peace. Which simply means in his kingdom we'll have a tranquility of heart and soul. Not frantic because our favorite didn't make it. For our eyes is above Washington. There is a kingdom that's not of this world. And that king, his name is Jesus. And regardless of who sits on the throne, to him who sits on the throne and unto the lamb, be blessing, glory, dominion, and power forever. In verse 18, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing, approved of God. Glory, hallelujah. Now I want to look at Romans chapter 14 and verse 18. Yes. I'm looking at it in the NIV. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking. Verse 17. But of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Verse 18, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval by men. So in other words, if you serve God long enough, people will approve of you. Usually it doesn't happen overnight. They have to see you go through a few storms with tranquility and they'll begin to trust you in a moment I'm going to pray for the nation and I'm going to pray again for law enforcement officers we have members of our church who have sons that are on the force in DC 
And with chaos in the street, it's easy for someone to get stabbed or someone to get hurt tonight. We're going to pray for protection for law enforcement and for law-abiding citizens. We're going to pray for the young lady who got killed in the, in the Capitol building. She was 16 years old, but she shouldn't have been inside. Right now, I'm not pointing the finger at her. Uh, her demise is, is, is sad. She was only 16. But you must render unto Caesar that which is Caesar, to custom to whom custom, honor to whom honor. So, Father, I thank you. In the name of Jesus, we come. We face uncertain times in our nation and in this world. And we ask, Lord, that you dwell among us. That you would comfort us by the knowledge, comfort us by the knowledge that you alone our Savior and Lord of all. You're in control of America. The ultimate outcome of the master of life is in your hands. We entrust you with this nation. We take our hands off of the wheel of control. And we give it to you. We know that you're loving. We know that you're God. Send your spirit to Washington. To every city that uh, protesters are from. Touch hearts this evening. Touch the heart of leaders, the leaders of our nation. I pray now, after looking at the chaos, that there will be a smoother transition of powers. Give each and every agent the wisdom to know what is right. And the courage to do it. Give us your light and give us your truth. Guide us in our ways so that we may seek your face. That we might impact the world through the knowledge that we have of you and your kingdom. We're asking you to touch law enforcement. Touch National Guard. Touch those who are assigned to maintain order. I pray that peace would come back. A sensibility will come back to those who protest. I'm praying that you will calm the heart of President Trump. Father, he has a way with people. Help him to speak truth, but also to learn how to calm his emotions. It seems like to me he's fearful and afraid of the future. I'm asking you to touch his heart and touch his family. God, I pray that you would send a message to his own children that he needs to tone it down and help them who are close to him. He only allows people to remain close if they obey him and do what he wants. But those who are close, I pray that you would give them an ability to speak to him, that our nation would not be divided and that we will come back to sense and to unity. Bless these young men and women who are first responders. Protect them from bricks. <laughs> yes, Lord, protect them from the bricks, the Brooklyn bricks, and from the DC bricks. And thank you, God, that peace is with them. I give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love you all, and I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
uh, I'm going to pray again over our tithing offering and let you go. This message don't need much, but amen. Just say amen to it. Amen. The Lord dropped it in my spirit. And as I was watching things unfold, that I need to speak about the chaos in the capital city. And I want you all to take this. We're people of order. We're not people of chaos. Uh, the world is supposed to talk to us about what do you do now? I've had people to call me. What do you think about what's going on? What do you think about what's happening in Washington? Well, I share with you what I think. And I want you to get it. Let every soul be subject to the governing authority. This kingdom that we're in, it's not of this world. And we're not supposed to have civil war because we don't like who the president is. We have a two-party system. And uh, other people had to suck it up. When Hillary didn't make it, I didn't vote for Hillary. But there are a lot of people who did. And they had to suck it up. Those of you that didn't vote, that voted for Donald Trump, you better start opening your mouth and stop just going along. Well, it's an abortion thing, Bishop. It's an abortion thing. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Even if you disagree with abortion, and I disagree with it. Let me tell you something. You can't sit there and let a leader talk about women like that and you don't say nothing. Or you just sit back and let it go. You got to be able to say that's wrong. I agree with your policy, but that's wrong. Instead of looking at me weird because you can't say anything about the president like all of a sudden he's off limits. He's not off limits. Especially when you see what you saw today. Directly tied to that campaign rally. Directly tied to it. He even said to them, y'all need to go to the Capitol. And if Mike Pence don't do what I'm telling you to do, then I got a problem with him. And they had to rush him out. Mike Pence was probably one of the most loyal vice presidents I've ever seen. Believe me, he tried to work with the president. You gonna say something about that? Or you think Pence is wrong too? Stop drinking the Kool-Aid from a man who's like a, a, a major um, demigod that don't wanna lose power. The judges that you selected looked at the evidence, said, I don't see it. Y'all don't believe in it? then why I talk about judges? The judge, the Supreme Court can't fix America. Only God can. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, I thank you and I give you praise for this moment. I thank you for blessing America. And I'm asking you to bless Truth Reveal. And I'm praying that you would get conservatives to bless this ministry. People who believe in conservatism. Bless the house of the Lord and keep it rolling. Those who believe in, in no abortion and those who believe that we should have certain things in place. Let them bless this ministry. We agree with those things. And so, Father, I give you praise for taking care of America. And taking care of our leaders. And taking care of all of the citizens. And take care of the church. And we will give you the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen. So go ahead and sow. God will bless you. It has been a real joy to share the Word of God with you. A special thank you to those who care for this ministry. No amount of financial support is too small. It is because of you this ministry is possible. To support us, go to our website at truthrevealed.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, please subscribe and share with friends. Be sure to tag us when you share at Trim Nation One. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, I'll see you at the Word of Truth Revealed.